Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. Been praying all week long that this message would touch your heart, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. And so um, I want to pray before we get started. And could you just put your hands out like this, just in a receiving mode, um, just signifying to the Lord that you are ready to receive the word today. Father, we just believe that you have great things in store for us and that you want to speak to us today. Open up our hearts to receive everything that you have for us. And Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives today and uh, touch us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in part three of our series, I Got the Joy, and we're going through the book of Philippians, and this is our third and final week in chapter one. Next week, we're going to dive into chapter two, and I'm really excited because we're going to have uh, our very own uh, Japheth who is going to be bringing the word next week, and I know it's going to be really, really good. Um, This week, you guys were supposed to read Acts chapters 21 through 28, and I know some of you thought that was a lot of reading, but let's let's just be honest. Think about all of the content that we're consuming about the current events right now uh, on the news networks, on social media. You know, we, we consume a lot. So when we think about that, reading eight chapters is not that much. And I hope that you did it. The reason I'm asking you to do this is because I want you to get a greater insight into what Paul was thinking and feeling and experiencing as he penned this letter. So in the comments, if you did it, I want you to put, I did it. And if you didn't, I want you to write in the comments, guilty, so we can publicly shame you. Just kidding. Um, Hopefully there were more of you that uh, read and did the homework this week than there was last week. And it was only one chapter last week. Um, so yeah, put those in the comments so I can see and I can be judging you. Uh, before we jump into the text for today, I want to say this. I've received some really positive feedback about this series, specifically because of the theme of this epistle being joy. There's a lot of you that are going through situations and circumstances in your life that they're trying to, they're, they're actually sapping and stealing your joy. And God is trying to speak to you clearly and challenge you and say, The joy of the Lord is not based on your circumstances. It's based on me living inside of you and the Spirit of God working in you. And so I think that's why this theme of joy has really been resonating because of all the things that we're currently going through in our lives. But I want to tell you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? So today we're in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 27, and then we're going to work backwards, okay? So Philippians 1 and verse 27 says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, here in America, one of the favorite things we like to say is, it's my right. We love to quote our amendments when it comes to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, or freedom to bear arms. 
that same individualism is very evident in the church as well. We don't like being told what to do, even if God is the one doing the telling, right? For some reason, the American church really opposes anyone telling them how to behave or conduct themselves. As soon as you talk about a sexual boundary or a boundary about alcohol or a boundary about the way believers ought to dress, Christians start hollering, legalism, get the log out of your eye, don't judge. They, they just start yelling all of these things because they don't like anybody telling them what to do, even if it is directly out of the scriptures. Here's the deal though, when you get saved, your salvation should affect your behavior as well. Here in this verse, the Apostle Paul exhorts us to conduct ourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. When the Apostle Paul tells the Philippian believers to conduct yourselves, that phrase is actually a political term which literally means live as citizens. To live as citizens. Paul is telling the Philippian believers to live as citizens worthy of the gospel. If joy is the main theme of this letter, then remembering that we are first and foremost citizens of heaven is right behind it. What Paul is saying here is that as part of the larger community of believers, we have obligations to conduct ourselves in a way that is Christ-honoring and that exalts Jesus. Our conduct, decisions, behavior, and lifestyle should honor Christ and His willingness to suffer on behalf of us. Meaning, we can't just live however we want to because it's my right to do so. Our code of conduct doesn't come from the Constitution or from the culture, but from God's Word, from the Holy Scriptures. This is where my code of conduct comes from. If you're a believer, this is where your code of conduct comes from. We have been given a precious gift of saving grace through Christ, and it's our responsibility to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of that saving grace. Let me say it this way. Our lives should reflect God's saving grace in our lives. Are we a grace-filled people? Are we a faith-filled people? Are we a forgiveness-filled people? Are we a love-filled people? So what does it look like for you and me to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? Well, Paul tells us here in this chapter, number one, don't be too tied to this world. Don't be too tied to this world. Um, we're going we're gonna to go to verse number 19 in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 19 through 24. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, and if you had read Acts chapters 21 through 28, you would know what had happened to Paul, but he says, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. 
but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. I'll be honest with you. Paul challenges me on every level, but not because of his oratorial skills or uh, because of his grasp on complicated theological matters or because of all of his achievements and accomplishments and planting churches all over the place. Uh, It's not because of these things, but because of how deeply Paul loves Jesus. Paul loves the mess out of Jesus. He is sold out to Jesus. He is committed to Jesus. And that challenges me to be the same way. I'm not there, but but I'm not there yet. But man, that's that's my that's what I aspire to be, man. That I'm fully and solely sold out and committed to Jesus. That that I have no other affections that 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 are above Jesus in my life. That is my desire. That is my goal. Listen to what Paul says in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I like the word the New King James uses for the word exalted there uh, that the NIV uses. The the New King James uses the word magnified. Um. Right here, I have in my hands a telescope. And the purpose of a telescope is to make things that are very, very far away look closer to us, right? So even though the stars are so much larger than this telescope, but this is an instrument that humans can use to make those stars that look like tiny specks in the sky look a little bit bigger and larger, and it magnifies the stars for us. In the same way, as believers, we are instruments. We should be telescopes to people who feel distant from God, who where, where God is far away and they can't really see God. Our lives should magnify Christ and make Him look bigger to where the people in our lives that don't know Him can see Him because they see Him through our Lives, And that is what it means when, when Paul says, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Amen? That's a word right there. Um, and then in verse 21, Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I want to camp out right here for a second. Paul was so in love with Jesus and so desired to magnify him that he said, if I live, it's for Christ. But if I die, it's for gain for me because I get to be with Christ. Paul writes in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 that to be absent from the Lord is to be present. Or I'm sorry, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He also writes in Galatians 2 uh, and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because Christ gave everything for him, Paul was willing to give everything for Christ. As Paul was penning these words inside of a Roman prison, he didn't know if he would be martyred for his faith or released. All he knew was that 
he was going to magnify and exalt Christ, whether by life or by death. What a good test verse 21 is for how much we truly are captivated by Christ, right? Let's do a little fill in the blank from verse number 21. For to me, or for to me to live is, and let's just fill in the blank. What do you live for? What do you truly live for? For a lot of us, it would be for to me to live is me and to die is loss. Anything we live for outside of Christ will result in loss when we die, whether that be wealth, notoriety, power, prestige, approval, career, popularity, houses, cars, family, anything, anything outside of Christ that we exalt and we have as number one in our life, it will count as loss when we die. If I were to ask you who or what do you live for, if I were to, if I was sitting down with, with you and having coffee with you and I said, what are you living for? Who are you living for? I bet a lot of you that are watching right now, you would say Christ, of course. But, but I would say that most of us are living Christ plus lives. Okay. What I mean by that is if you're honest with yourself, you would fill in the blank this way. For to me, to live is Christ plus family or Christ plus wealth or Christ plus America or Christ plus uh, power or Christ plus my personal comfort or Christ plus security and safety. If we're being totally transparent today, we are not living for Christ alone. When we live Christ plus lives, to die is still loss and not gain because we're still living for this world. You might say to me, well, pastor, what's wrong with me putting my family first? Well, everything. Because you will love your family more when you love them less than Jesus. Did you hear me? You will love your family more when you love them less than Jesus. You will love your spouse better when you love them less than Jesus. To live a life of joy and to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel means to not be too tied to this world. And that is, that's easier said than done. I'll be honest, it's hard. But that's what the scriptures teach us. Verses 22 and 23 go on to say, If I am living to go on living in the body, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. How many of us watching today can truly say that to die is better by far because I get to depart from this world and be in the presence of Christ. Do we love Jesus so much that we long to be with him in eternity the way Paul does? As the psalmist puts it, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. But a lot of us are so tied to this world that we don't really long to leave this life to be with Jesus. We have spouses and kids and careers and things we want to accomplish. You know, when I was a young adult, I used to pray that Jesus wouldn't come back until after I got married. I at least wanted to experience marriage before he came back. 
And so I would pray that prayer. God, I want you to come back, but don't come back until after I at least enjoy marriage for a while. I want to know what that, what that feels like. Paul tells us here that he is torn with the thought of living or dying. As a prisoner in Rome, at any moment his life could be taken from him. If we're living the Christ plus life, we will not be able to say with a clear conscience that it would be better to die than to live. I'm glad I live in America and count it a blessing. Don't want to live anywhere else. I'm good. But one of the problems with living here is that our lives are so comfortable that it's hard to think life could be better somewhere else. We've got running water here. We've got uh, we've, we've got toilets that, that uh, are inside and that flush here in America. We've got Amazon Prime. We've got all the freedoms we could think of. We've got smartphones and fast cars and planes that can get us anywhere in the world. We fall in love with the world and we don't even realize it sometimes. Let me ask this again. Who or what do you live for? Do you live for Christ or do you live for yourself? If you live for Christ, then you will put others before you. When it comes to what you need versus what others need, who comes first? Let me get even more personal. When it comes to my needs versus Priscilla's needs, who comes first? And if I'm being honest, there are many times where my needs come before her needs. How about your needs versus your spouse's needs or your needs versus your neighbor's needs? How about when it comes to Thursday night prayer, do you join? You, you don't even have to go anywhere. There, you don't have to get on the subway. You don't have to get an Uber. You don't have to walk anywhere. You don't have to travel anywhere. All you got to do is get on your computer or your phone and just pray. Well, I don't really need it. I'm zoomed out. I'm really tired from work. That's why I don't join. What about someone else that needs your prayers? What about someone else who's lonely and needs to see your face? What, what about someone else who needs to borrow your faith for an evening because their faith has been sapped because they're struggling and so discouraged and they just need to borrow one of their brothers or sisters' faith for a night when they pray for them? Why is it always about us? Why is it always about how we feel? Why is it always about me, 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 my needs, my wants, my desires? If Christ is truly number one in our lives, then we'll put others' needs above ourselves. But as long as we're living Christ plus lives, our needs, our desires, our wants, our cravings will always come first. Let's continue reading verse 27 of Philippians chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul finishes up the chapter by saying, 
conduct worthy of the gospel is to have unity. It's to it's striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. It's not striving together for the, the furtherance of a, of a political ideology or, or the furtherance of, of a, a nationalistic idea, but it's coming together, having unity for the furtherance of the gospel, walking and living in a unified faith, glorifying, magnifying, exalting Christ, being, being telescopes to those who can't see Christ because they're far from Him and they're not living for Him, allowing the Spirit of God to use us as instruments to magnify Christ in our lives. Not dividing over differing worldly opinions or cultural worldview. Our worldview should come from the Scriptures anyway, right? And it is my, it is my belief it is my belief if the church wasn't so tied to the world, I don't believe we would have the division that we see happening right now being played out on a micro level on social media and a macro level throughout our country. If the church wasn't so tied to the world, I believe that believers would be able to come together in unity to glorify and magnify and lift up Jesus in this time. The, our nation needs Jesus more than anything right now. It needs Jesus more than laws being passed, and we need laws being passed. It needs Jesus more than, than, than just politicians backing what we want, and we need that. But this, what this nation really needs is a move of God that changes people's hearts. And if the church wasn't so tied to the world, I believe we would be seeing more progress when it comes to this. Paul continues by saying, conducting yourself worthy of the gospel that has saved you is not being afraid of those who oppose you, persecute you, or threaten to kill you. Church, it was dangerous being a Christ follower in, in these times. But Paul tells them in verse 29 that not only is it our calling to believe in Jesus, but it is also our calling to suffer for Jesus. And the only way we can do that well is by not being too tied to this world. And I know for most Christians, we have not had to suffer because we live comfortable lives. We have so much freedom, and, and I'm so blessed because of that. But Christ's call is not only to believe in Him, but it's also to suffer for Him and with Him for the sake of the gospel. If, if being a telescope causes me to suffer for Christ, then so be it. If being an instrument in glorifying Jesus causes me to suffer a little bit, that is my privilege and that is my calling. Who are you living for? What are you living for, church? Are you living to get rich? Are you living... To, to accumulate wealth in your life? Is that what you're living for? Are you, are you living to get notoriety? Are you living to get Instagram famous? Are you living to, so that other people praise you and notice you and, and think highly of you and think that you're great? Is that what you're living for? Are, are you living for your family above all else? Are, are you living to get married? Is that 
what consumes your whole life and thoughts? Are you living for financial security, safety, comfort, and convenience? Is that, are, are you, are, are you living so that you can retire comfort, comfortably and, and you can do whatever you want? Is that, is that what you're living for? Is that what your energy, your thoughts, your gifts, is that all that it goes to? So you, in your old age, you can be comfortable and that's all you're living for. Because God has so much more for us. But we've got to detach from the world and pursue what He wants for our lives. Anything you and I live for outside of Christ will be a loss when we die. Let's stop living a Christ plus life and yield and surrender to Him starting today. Let's detach from the world and attach ourselves fully and faithfully to Jesus and his calling and his purpose in our lives to be a telescope, to be a people who magnify him and glorify him and exalt him and make him more famous and make him bigger. Our lives should be about making Christ bigger, not our influence. Not our social media presence, not our notoriety, our, our, um, our purpose for here, here in this earth is to worship God and to make Him bigger so that when people look at us, they can see Jesus because we're spending our energy, we're spending our gifts trying to make Him bigger in our lives, trying to exalt Him and magnify Him. But when we're tied to the world so strongly that, 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 that people can't see Christ, we lose our identity and we lose that purpose of what we're here for. So church, I want to challenge you. Detach yourself from the world that is just pulling you. Detach yourself from the desire and the craving for more power. Detach yourself from the temptation to live just to get wealthy and rich and accumulate more stuff. Let's detach ourselves from that because when we detach, Christ has so much more. Christ's riches are so much greater than the world's riches. Amen. Let's pray today. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.